Welcome to the Draft Champions podcast. We're here talking about some relief pitchers today. Um, we're here with Greg Jewett. Is that pronounced? Do I pronounce that properly? Uh, well, I, up in up in uh, up in Canada, it'd be Jewett, but Jewett's fine. Jewett. Okay, I just don't want to make like it's like Kike Hernandez, right? You don't want to like you, you don't want to say the I don't want to say the Jew part and like get in trouble. Uh, no, no, that that okay. was all my that was my junior high life though. Everyone yeah. asks about Jewish, yeah. So um, before we get started, um, I have to just ask, like, just some. We have to, we have to do some house cleaning or housekeeping. Um, house cleaning. Um, are you vaccinated? Uh, yes. Okay, good. So we can continue this podcast. That's 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 good. Okay. Otherwise, we would have just had to cut this short. So good. So it's sort of required. I, I'm a teacher, so. Yeah, so um, yeah, no, I didn't know if that was too personal, but like it is required yeah. on the Draft Champions podcast that um, that you that you are we we all have to be vaccinated. So that's that's one thing. And then um, do you like before we get going in the show, like are are there any pronouns that you prefer? No, like <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Okay. No, it doesn't matter to me. Although this is the first time I had a student tell me that um, she careful is not binary. So it's like. When I have that class, I'm sitting there going, all right, kids, I don't want to say one gender or the other. It's, yeah, it's, okay, it's a no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to presume anything, so it's good. We should, we should get rid of, we should name pronunciation, pronouns, vaccination, all taken care of. Now we can start the podcast, all right? So let's talk about you, Greg. You can um, tell everyone where they can find you at gju at yeah. nine on Twitter and um you have a Patreon, so tell us about tell us about how uh, how you what people should um, look for and how you can help them out in, in their fantasy leagues. All right, so I mean, you you're well aware that I've been running the closer charts pretty much for the last five years for um, for free. I update them daily. Um, I give game synopsis on there. It's not just like cookie cutter stuff. I, I go in and tell you who's doing what and what roles. Um, it's just kind of. Uh, Somehow it's become my niche. So I, I started a Patreon called uh, Reliever Recon. Uh, that includes me, uh, Aaron Pags, Nate Markham, uh, Bullpen Guru. We have to keep his name under wraps. Oh, I found, um, out, I found out what his name was. Oh, it's okay. Well, I, I just can't say it on air. But anyways, right. he's a great guy. He's, and, he's in a draft um, with me right now. Have, and we have Eric Somolsky uh, doing a lot of our video stuff and also contributing. So you've, you've got five people all with very good roles. Uh, Nate and Aaron take care of the podcast once a week. Um, we actually had Joel Pinero appearing with us tonight to talk about the differences between being a starter and a reliever, just trying to get some insight and, and, and give the skinny on all this. We've already done the year in review on all 30 teams. They're posted on the site and I put them in a spreadsheet where people can get them in one place. Uh, and then I updated all the free agent stuff, but anyways, it's going to be focused on. So if you play souls, if you play saves, however you want to do it, um, and you don't want to go through the rigmarole every Sunday night, trying to figure out fob, um, we can get all that done for you on a weekly basis. And it's only, like I said, it's $3 a month. And the information we pump out, I would say we, we give enough information in a week to justify the $3, but it is what it is. Well, well, you know what? We're gonna get we're gonna get we're gonna get some people signed up tonight for sure. We had a lot of questions, more questions than I've we've ever received on this podcast for you. So that's good. So, but, but without further ado, let's get into like um, sort of a evergreen type questions about drafts. So I think um, Graham, why don't, why don't you kick things off here? Uh, sure. And just going back, I signed up for the Patreon last night. 
it's out of control. It's amazing. Thank um, you. Yeah, 10 out, 10 out of 10. I like I, I figured that I was just signing up for the charts. Um, but once I actually started digging in, like there is so much stuff to read and digest. I'm, uh, I'm pumped. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess just to start with the easy softball question, like given the current state of the closer pool, like how would you approach it in a DC? And would you change that if you were doing an FBC 50, like a 12 versus a 15? I mean, kind of open-ended, but you can just ramble. Well, absolutely. You know, uh, so so we, you know, we can use last year's data just as a as a quick preface, and I did cover in one of the articles on the site. So, um, there's a big chasm when you look at the draft champions last year between the percentiles. Seventy percentile was only sixty saves. So, you know, in all of the leagues, if you got sixty, you're in the seventieth percentile. Eighty percentile was sixty-seven, but then there was a big jump in the ninetieth percentile of seventy-eight. So, I think. Some people just hit the lottery or they paid for saves early and they insured them. So that kept them in those spots. So I wanted to go down the leaderboard and just kind of see if anybody kind of punted or I know Rob DiPietro ran into some, into some bad luck with one of his teams. He took like three closers, but none of them ended up with the role. Uh, so he ended up, he had a team finish 13th overall, but he only had 23 saves all season. So, I mean, if you get him anywhere, close to the, the 70 percentile he probably takes the whole thing down again um wow. 19th overall had 34 saves and the only person that i saw with zero as i went down the first one was number 31 tyler young um he had zero saves on the season so he punted it and finished 31st overall but in an overall i and you and zach and you can speak to this as well i think it's hard to punt an entire category i mean you have to hit everything perfect on all those other cylinders um so as the game's changing, and, and we can talk about all this too. So what I'm trying to think of is I, I, in the first like two or three tiers, I'm identifying one. I want to get one of those guys just as an anchor. It doesn't mean I have to get two of them. I don't have to double tap, but you can. Um, I want to get somebody that I know at least should give me 25 to 30 saves. If that makes sense. So now I've got somebody there. Then if I want to wait a few rounds and I want to take some chances later, what I'm thinking is I'm trying to get at least three guys that can get me 20 or more saves. So then I'm right into that 70th percentile, but that, that, that would make me comfortable. However you want to do it. Cause it, you know, you only got nine spots a week, so you can't be running in and out. And, and with the pitchers locking weekly in NFDC, it makes it difficult. So, you know, I'm not saying you have to do, I, I did see uh, one of our patrons, um, one of our patrons took, Hater and Hendricks back to back in the second and third in a in a DC. Um, I mean, you can if you if you don't want to deal with it the rest, you know, the rest of the draft, he doesn't really have to do much besides get their handcuffs and maybe take a flyer later on. Um, so your comfortability, but also um, knowing the fields. So there's, I'm sure we're going to talk about a few of the bullpens. There's some that I probably wouldn't touch in this format. Um, just let somebody else try and shoot all those darts and, and you hit your spots. Yeah. So uh, when you're looking at a, like a DC with 15 teams, how does it differ from a team like a 12 team league? Because I, I, I tapped Hendricks and Hader in a, in a 50 in one of those NFBC fifties early on. Mm -hmm. um, but that really might not even cover you to like get you, like, even if everything goes right, it might not even get you that your full 12 points there because right. a lot of the, a lot of those teams need three. So how, how, how would you, what, what are sort of the nuances in approaching the, the 15s versus the 12s? Yeah. With the 12, I mean, Obviously, you, you're probably going to want a third closer just to get to guarantee you those percentiles and the rankings and the points. 
Um, so not only are you getting a lot of saves there, but you're protecting ratios, which is nice. And you're getting strikeouts from those guys. You know, somebody can take Mark Melanson, but if you take a Mark Melanson, now you've got to make sure you've got high strikeout starters and some other things you have to balance in that lineup. Um, so, you know, 12 teams, I, you got those two guys, and then you can almost wait later on and you can take an upside guy like a Gregory Soto, or you can take more chances in, in different bullpens, or you can take a guy you think will get a bunch of strikeouts and maybe get into the role. Um, that, that's how I would handle it in a 12, the 12 team, you get a little more leeway, uh, when you're doing those sorts of things. And I think you can take a few more chances, but I, I have, again, if you're getting two of those guys in the top tier, I have this year, I have nothing against it. You know, you're getting those two, or you're getting a Rizel or whatever, you know, you're getting 30 saves with strikeouts with ratios. And I'm not going to have to really worry about somebody coming in and taking those jobs. Is Rizel your number three? Uh, yes. Okay. No, although Plaza is right behind him. Not, not Diaz. Is that because I like Diaz, but I, I think Clause is, I don't know. I, um, my, uh, uh, in the, in the draft we were talking about off air, um, I always like to see it. Zola took Clause uh, where I was looking at him. So I was like, nice. That's always good to see when somebody you respect is on the same sort of people. Daily affirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I think Diaz for me, like, I do like Diaz very much. There's always, there's always like one or two weeks where he just gets a little wonky with his mechanics and then everyone panics and then he settles back in. New manager. Does that, um, is that going to play any role for you in terms of assessing what his value is? I don't think so. Especially when Scherzer's trying to pick who the manager is going to be. I, I don't think it'll be <laughs> that ninth inning. Maybe Scherzer can pick who his closer is. Maybe, what if Scherzer says, I want Trevor May closing. <laughs> See you later, Diaz. Right. <laughs> Like, well, then we'd all I'm, I'm joking, but like, not kind of. No, not. I, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's like, I don't like, the, I don't like the, I don't like the smell of your jersey, uh, Diaz. Like, yeah, you're not closing anymore. Yeah, or I don't like the horns that you walk into. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I don't like, uh, I don't like you. That should not be an issue. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, no, you're, no, I think, yeah, Diaz is right, right there behind at least, um, Iglesias. No, he's, he's right in that mix. I mean, I think there's, there's like a, a top eight or nine. And then after that, you're, you're starting to get into more, risk but that's okay and I, agree. We're we're that. Make- I don't want to i don't want to spend a lot of time on the, the, the no, top no, guys no. because we want to i think everyone that's listening yeah. to this really knows about them um so um but before we like get into it i want to do a, like a little recap from last year i did some research um on saves and um the landscape for me like i when i'm approaching them i'm not going to look too much further back than last year because 2020 was sort of a weird season and like the landscape's changed so much so it's sort of like it's like, I think you're overthinking it sometimes going back and like looking at the trends from other years. I think that's sort, of, sort of like a clean slate because it's just, it's changed so much. So just looking at like um, wins, like team wins and saves, like I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, the Tigers um, get sometimes get a lot of saves. So like bad teams get saves. And I looked at this and I, and I saw there's basically, there's no correlation really between the number of saves as a percentage of your win. So like basically like teams could range from like, it ranged from like 37 to 459% of the wins were saved, but it was totally random. Like it, there was no correlation there. So it's just like, yeah, the Jays and the Astros had a really low amount of saves per win, even though they were good teams. It just so happened to be that way. They were sort of outliers in that, in that aspect. And I think 
Um, Minnesota had the most percentage of their wins saved for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, maybe you can comment after this, but there was really no zero. There's like zero correlation there. But then if you look at the run different, like a team run differential, whereas like the Dodgers and the Giants were the highest differential, there was a positive correlation, a 42% correlation there. Um, and again, like the, the Jays and the Astros had a high run differential. So they were sort of an outlier in, in that. But if you look at it um, with um, with wins at, uh, versus um, saves, the more wins the team got, the more saves they got. That was really that was like I think a sixty seven percent correlation. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, so I think like did you do you have you done any work, uh, work on that? And and I think it's I think it's sort of like I think it's sort of debunking that the numbers from at least last year sort of debunk like the Shane Greens and the Joe Jimenez on the Tigers saying oh bad teams are going to get as many saves as good teams. I say, I say false. What do you say? Well, it's the, with Houston and Toronto, it's funny you say that because when you, when you, when you go on baseball reference, um, they have a, a blowout segment where they'll, they'll show you your record. Uh, so a blowout is a game that you win or lose by five or more. And the, those two teams were by far and away near the top end of the blowouts. So when their offense was going, they were just killing people. So there was times Presley wasn't getting them. The first half of the year when Toronto was playing in the minor league parks, they were scoring a ton of runs and they were winning a bunch of games by a lot. Romano got, I think, almost 80% of his saves in the, in the second part of the season. So once he finally got the role and then they went back to Toronto, uh, the scoring came down and then he was actually, that's when he really got in his run, getting the saves in those instances. So teams with high powered offenses that get those run differentials, you know, sometimes it depresses. So it, it depressed Presley's save total and depressed Romano's overall because he had the little injury in the beginning of the season. And then, like I said, it took until about June for things to settle in for him to start really accumulating saves. So people had to be patient with him. I'm sure there was tons of people who dropped him. Uh, in 15 team leagues because they got frustrated in April with the injury and Merriweather and that whole mess at the beginning of the year. Um, but as far as the correlation thing, yeah, it's, you know, uh, the Tigers, I think last year played 46 one run games. So, I mean, they, I think Comerica just depresses offense and it keeps them into those sorts of matchups. Same thing with that division with Minnesota and Kansas city. It's not like teams are scoring piles and runs yet. So I, I think all of that adds into it, but it's definitely year to year. It's not like you can bank your, you can't bank on it. Hey, um, I just thought of something. Are the double headers like this? Are the seven inning double headers still a thing next year? Or that might not, they, they could change everything, right? With the new CBA. That's all right? part of the CBA. So I could see that not being a thing anymore. And wouldn't the seven inning double headers um, lead to more save chances uh, because there's less of the game and it's going to be closer? I don't know. It's, just, it's, a, it's, so. a, it's a small thing, but it's, yeah, I, I, I felt know, like yeah. there was a lot of double headers because of COVID. And COVID's going to be around still, so, um, so I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's going to maybe that would make saves even more scarce. That'd be something I I could look into that, but yeah, that, that would be curious to see how uh, the save percentage of games that were in seven inning ones. I guess bad teams saving less leads me to the question about Mark Melanson. What do, what are your thoughts on him in Arizona? Well, if he's your second closer it's okay, but I wouldn't take him as your, you know, first closer just because we already hinted at he doesn't rack up strikeouts. He, 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 he gets by on guile and ground balls. Um, so, you know, he's relying on BAPIP and his defense. 
So, you know, there's not a lot of swing and miss there. He did pitch better in the second half, but at the end of the year, I think he was getting a little tired. Um, I was really surprised that he went to San Diego. He wanted to play with a better team, and now he just went to Arizona to take the money. Um, so it's kind of strange to see that. Um, so, you know, if you're taking him because you know there's really not a, lot, a challenger to his spot in the ninth inning, um, that's the thing. I, I will probably pass on him as his uh, – I think in the last month his ADP is jumping up. He's going up into like the, the 120s when I looked at from – November 7th to December 7th, that was his ADP in that point in 15 teamers. And to me, that's probably too rich for a guy that doesn't get strikeouts. Cause like I said, you, there's, there's more than just getting saved. You, you want a guy that can contribute in a couple other categories. Right. What, what that, what this, this, this um, makes me think of two things. One is the obvious that like, maybe he's not going to get as many saves in Arizona or for sure. He mm -hmm. um, so that's going to downgrade him. But another thing that I, that I was thinking of is why did he go to Arizona? Like he sort of, he, he, he sort of trailed off a little bit at the end of last year. Maybe teams are smart and mm -hmm. why did no good teams want him? So that sort of. Cause he didn't want to be a setup reliever. Exactly. But why didn't want anyone want to make him a closer? He got, I, I, the only fit would have been St. Louis, but when I saw St. Louis pass Tom, I figured that was it. Yeah. So like, like what about like the nationals or, the Marlins. Um, I don't know. The next, I mean, I, I guess if you're going to do whatever. Texas. Um, Texas signed John Gray. Why wouldn't, like, is, is Joe Barlow good? I guess so. But, like, no one really, no one well, really, no one sees him as a closer. So maybe, yeah, if, is he, well, like, out of Texas gas? Is gonna, if Texas wants to make a splash, they're going to get Jan Jansen. He's got ties with the manager. Is that so? Well, we can, we can, talk, we can talk about that in a little bit. But um, when we get into the, when we get into the individual teams. Uh, so I did a little bit of a, a dive into last year and I'm sure you, I think you, you do stuff like this. I looked at the sa let's saves from last year. Um, there were 595 saves in the AL and 596 in the NL kind of cool stat, almost exactly the even number of saves. So league doesn't seem to matter, um, with the DH coming into the NL. I don't know if that's going to matter too much, but, um, only nine of the 30 teams had closures that held their jobs all year. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, you, you looked at the agenda and, and, and like I just did this quickly, but um, seven of those nine closures got 75% or more of the team's saves. Um, and th that's basically your like the, the top nine or the elite nine that you're, that you're referring to. The only two that didn't get more than 75% were Jansen and Chapman, but I think they were they were out for periods of time, I, I believe, if, I, if my memory serves correctly. Um, Will Smith, Melanson, Iglesias, Hendricks, we're all over 85% of their team saves. Hader, Diaz, and Presley were between 75 and 85%. So that's basically getting, that's basically a good chunk. So that's why, that's why I guess they're elite and they're also good pitchers, right? Um, 17 of the 30 clubhouse leaders and saves ended with the job. Um, of the 21 closers who lost their job, or, or of the 21 uh, I guess job changes. Um, five of them were via trade. So Kimbrel was traded away from the Cubs. Ian Kennedy was traded away. Brad Hand was traded away. He might have lost his job anyways. Um, and then um, Diego Castillo. I, I don't know if you count him, but he was traded away. And, and Richard Rodriguez also was. Only two lost their jobs due to injury from the start of the year, which were Yates and Rosenthal. And those were pre-existing guys that you would sort of like have an injury risk assigned to them. 
I don't know if you want to count Leclerc as as one of those guys. I, I didn't count Leclerc. I counted him as losing his job before anything was really happening. I didn't count him as one of the guys that lost his job. And then you, one guy lost his job from an incoming trade, which was Neris, Kennedy, via Kennedy. And then nine were just bad. So I'm going to say the nine bad ones are Bard, Amir Garrett, um, Bass on the Marlins, Wade Davis, Brian Garcia, um, Crichton. Some of these some of these guys, I don't even know if they really had a clear job anyways. Rafael Montero, Valdez on the Orioles, and, and Matt Barnes eventually on the Red Sox. And then four, the four additional ones were a mix of being bad and someone like being good. So that's what you have to, that's what I'm always worried about in these DCs as well. Like you had Reyes lose it to Gallegos, who's the incumbent. And then you had Karinchek, Clace, and then Colomay sort of lost it to Rogers. And then he lost it back to himself. I don't know. So it was sort of a weird situation there. And then McGee had two guys there, but mainly uh, Camilo Duvall. So after I just rambled on, broad question, do you see a similar script for this year and maybe talk about the, those risks, like the, the injury risk, the trade risk, the performance risk. Yeah. Well, all of these things are baked in and then you, you know, you want to think about who are free agents at the end of the season. Um, I heard you talk about on a different podcast, you've been getting a lot of a role Chapman and, and we like, you know, as fancy owners, we like Chapman because he's pretty insulated in the ninth inning with the Yankees because Boone, Linear pathway Boone, he likes his guy in the seventh, his guy in the eighth, and he wants Chapman in the ninth as long as he's healthy and productive. Um, but Chapman is a free agent at the end of the season. So if for some reason the Yankees struggle, um, they could trade him again, um, just like they did when he was a free agent and they sent him the Cubs to win the championship. Um, so, I mean, that that's a small risk there, not to mention the fact in the second half he was just all over the place with his – with his, um, you know, results. I had him in tout and the second half of the year, he's, he single-handedly cost me a week, a week matchup with Ariel Cohen with that weekend. He blew a save on Friday and a save on Sunday. Um, partly my fault because after Friday, I should have taken his ass out, but, um, yeah, that's, that was a tough one. Um, we know, we know Kimbrell's going to get traded. I mean, they have to, especially after signing. I, you know, I understand why they signed Graveman, but I didn't understand the timing of it. You know, you, you, pretty much painting yourself into a corner saying we have to trade Kimball because they're not going to have a $16 million eighth <laughs> inning guy with an $8 million seventh inning guy, Aaron Bummer and Hendricks in, in the ninth inning. So, um, you know, I, I've thought that was odd. Um, I'm the just curious what the market money. will be. They might want to spend their money inefficiently. They did hire Tony La Russa, right? I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I don't, <laughs> I, yeah, it's not for me to judge. Um, I'm curious what San Francisco will do because Doval looked very good down in the stretch and, and McGee wasn't healthy. Um, I think that was obvious because in that game where they left Doval in, that ended up being the, the, the penultimate loss there to the Dodgers. When they had Lux and Bellinger back to back and they didn't bring in McGee, that told me that he wasn't healthy. So there, there was some lingering issues with him. He should be fine at the beginning of the season, but um, you know, I think Doval should be the closer, but we're not guaranteed that right now. So if you're in the DC, that's, that's still risk to me. Um, St. Louis, two different beat writers have said that they think it's going to be Gallegos this year. They said that they add a reliever, it's going to be like a Ryan Tapera or somebody of that nature as a setup reliever, not, not somebody to take the ninth inning They're They're saying Reyes and Hicks might be starters this year, which Stop I don't that. see how that can happen, but. Um, so, I mean, people who want to take Gallegos, that's fine. Um, I think he, he should be the closer, um, Minnesota. I mean, they were going to trade Taylor Rogers last year if he didn't hurt his finger. So 
he could open the season as the closer or he could be traded in spring training if he's healthy, but we haven't, we don't even know if he's thrown yet. You know, is that finger really a hundred percent? Can we trust that? Um, there's a lot of stuff. Colorado saying that they, they want a veteran in the ninth inning, even though they used Estevez down the stretch and he was very erratic in his performances. So I, every year, like I said, the whole thing we know is that there's probably 10 guys that we know what they're going to do. And the rest, you, you just hope for the best. Then there's teams like Tampa Bay and Seattle, where I'm probably not going to, in a DC, I'm not going to find out or make it me that's trying to guess. I'll let somebody else throw the dart. Yeah, there's just too many there. Too many. I, I, I made Both a, of those I, situations. Seattle imitates them now, so why would you bother? The only way I would take a Seattle reliever is if I'm taking like Andres Munoz in the 40th round because he might get me 10 saves in the second half. They signed him to a dirt cheap contract. So if they're contending or they need to trade, they can use one of those relievers and swap them out. Um, and so anyways, yeah, I, I, I would just want to use Giles as that guy, perhaps then they sign him for that reason. And now they've decided to, to, to do weird things in the bullpen. I didn't know they were like mimicking the, the Rays. They, they really, yeah, they, 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 they use Seawald as like the, the highest leverage guy. Um, you know, then they would just go the hot hand. I mean, down the stretch, second rider was getting saves. Seawald was getting saves. Castillo got a couple. I mean, there was no like one guy in Seattle doing that thing. And they did that two years ago as well. Service service has no issue mixing and matching um, in that bullpen. So, you know, I see where Giles is going and I know what people are thinking, but I, I don't trust them to just hand them that role. Um, that That's to me at this today that's risky to me all right do you want to do you want to go through the teams real quick and just sort of do a rapid fire so will smith had 93 percent of the saves on the on the braves what sort of risk factors do you see there like is, is yates a guy that's like going to worry you at all um yates wouldn't be a factor till the second half and from everything i've read they're not going to push him because he's coming back from the injury he's got next year's pretty cheap and then a club option for the year after now smith is another guy he's a free agent at the end of the season so Yates is kind of there to replace Smith next year. Um, so they'll use Smith as much as they want um, without really, you know, much discretion. I would give him an eight because there was a couple of times in the second half, Smith got a little wonky. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to put him as a 10, but with the, with the world championship, I'm sure they'll give him plenty of, uh, plenty of rope. All right. We're going to go next to San Diego. We had Melanson there before. Now that's, this is sort of a weird one. I don't know. Who do you who are you gonna even give it to? I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna suggest someone. I'm gonna let you suggest someone and then and then and then if tell you, me. If you use last year as a template, I guess we're gonna say Schwarz will get the first shot. The kid they brought in, well, not kid, he's he's gonna be 31, but they brought him in from Japan. He had 42 saves in the MPP last year. Uh, he can hit about in the upper 90s, 97, 98 with his fastball. Um, he does pitch well inside. Um, he does have a slider, but I guess his changeup is a little bit better. Um, Luis Garcia from the Cardinals signed there, but he's not very good against lefties. So he's almost like a Clay Holmes guy where you have to bring him in if it's only right-handed batters. Um, so I don't think that's closer material. So I think the way that they're structuring the contracts is probably Suarez right now would be, again, that would be if you want to throw a dart in round 38, sure, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to pay too high of a price to try and get a piece of this bullpen at the moment. What about 37, around 37? Yeah, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> well, what about 33? There's, there's, there's Pierce Johnson, <laughs> and then there's a guy that fucked us all last year, um, uh, Emilio Pagan. Yeah, like, well, there's Pagan those, those the guys are there too. Like, yeah, Pagan, 
I would rather have Johnson than Pagan. Um, yeah. That'll be something we have to track very closely in the spring is where what inning they're pitching in. So here's my thing with, um, what's his name? Suarez, Robert Suarez. Um, but we don't know what he's going to do in the majors, right? We don't know anything about him. Uh, number two, that was, if that was number one, number two is K-rate wasn't that good in overseas wherever he was. So I don't know how that translates. And number three, you saw what San Diego did with um, Kim last year. They paid a big, they paid big bucks for him and they barely used him. So they're not, af- they're not afraid. <laughs> oh, to it's true. Bring, they're not, a, they're not afraid to bring someone over to be a, a, a water boy. Well, their their beat writers said today, if there was ever a year that they oh, overpaid, fuck their beat writers, Peter. fuck, fuck yeah, the I, San Diego I, Padres beat writers, fuck all of them. I don't care. I know they screwed they, me they last screwed year. Me last year. Last year. I know, I know. I, <laughs> I totally get it. I get emotional. Now, they that. said if there was a year to overpay for Hater. This is it. I don't think Milwaukee will trade them, but yeah. they have the they have the prospect capital to do it. But I I, I, I don't know. Again, I, I would rather let somebody else deal with San Diego. That's just me. San Diego right beat now, writers have. Zero percent of my attention. <laughs> that's that's interesting because I've heard you like when you were talking about just team how there's certain teams you wouldn't throw bullets after like um, the Rays in Seattle, but it, it seems as though well, I guess San, San Diego just got a new manager, right? But it seems as though well, it is Melvin. I mean, Melvin prefers one guy. I mean, Melvin likes one guy there. So if 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 they end up, I mean, maybe San Diego's yeah. the team that plays the bullet and trades for Kimbrel. Maybe. I mean, that, that makes sense, at least. The yeah, no, I agree, I agree with you that I don't think at this moment it makes sense to really um, invest a lot of capital in anything over there. <laughs> but if they think they're going to compete, they have to. No, I mean, in terms of drafts, like in, uh, for drafting, I wouldn't, oh, um, yeah. I wouldn't spend early picks on anyone. Like, even, no, let somebody else do it. Yeah. Even if there's like a guy, like another position I like, I'm, I'm not looking at closers on Sandy. Another reason to draft closers early. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicago White Sox. I think we can just skip right over that. Like, well, you're, you're, you're zero concern for Kim, uh, about Kimbrel there in, in Graveman. No, no, no. Great. Graveman, he, he normalized in the second half. He, he regressed to the mean a little bit. Graveman's a very good seventh, eighth inning guy, and they've got him and Bummer to match up. They don't, they're not going to mess with Hendricks. He's the bulldog. Yeah. Graveman. How much uh, do you weigh that, Greg? Do you weigh like just the intangibles? Like Liam Hendricks <laughs> is like, fuck, you give me the ball. And like, say, like, cause I took a lot out of like Doval in the playoffs. Like that, that quote, when he was like, you know, I got this poppy, like, man, that guy, yeah, the- I love that shit. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was hyping Doval back in like April on the athletic. I was definitely a fan of that kid. Uh, and, and when he made his debut in Miami, Mish immediately sent me a, a DM. He was like, Holy crap, that kid's electric. You know, and that's, that's stuff you want to see. I mean, you know, yes, we want him to be a little better against left-handed hitters, but he's got time to work it out. I, I, he, the way he carries himself, I, I just, I just see him doing very well. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to spend too much time on a sort of obvious bullpen, but um, Kendall Graveman, man, I read an article about him this year, really, really good article on Fangraphs. It says Kendall Graveman is now an elite, is now a relief ace in Seattle by Tony Wolf, and this is just a really, really good article. So um, it about Kendall Graveman. Um, it's on fan graphs. It's a really, um, original, good article, like a lot of good new information that I read there. Um, so, um, I just, that really turned my, turn my head to, to know about. No, it's, and it's cool for Graveman. He's one of the few, I mean, he's one of the guys that left being a starter and went to the bullpen and ran with it. Some guys can't do it or some guys don't want to do it. And that's one of the things I want to ask 
uh, Joel Pinheiro tonight when we have him on our podcast is well, what is the mentality difference between being a starter and reliever? Because that's not, not something I can quantify, but an athlete can tell me. That's awesome. Um, okay, I'm going to skip over LA Angels. Iglesias, he's a guy there. Edwin Diaz, okay. Hader, okay. Presley, I don't know what more we can we can really say there. Um, do you have anything to add in Houston? No, no. Presley's very good. No. All right, nothing. Dodgers. Now you got, you got. I guess Trinan is there right now. And um, I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming that Jansen's going to resign there, but I don't know. Maybe after what you what you've said that he, I, I didn't know that he had ties to Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the. If LA wanted him back, especially with the bad publicity they had losing Seeger and um, Scherzer, I would have thought they would have signed him before the lockout. Does that make sense? Like if they were really like, we're going to get him back, we'll get him now. I mean, unless they're waiting for the market to go down on him and maybe they're hoping that he can't get the money that he thinks he deserves on the market. I mean, he is 34 years old. Um, you know, he was in and out of that job in 2020, but there was COVID and heart issues. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, he changed his pitch mix and did much better. Um, but I don't know. I don't know that he'll go back there. Um, uh, the only thing that makes me nervous about Trinan is, is they like him in that, you know, highest leverage moment sort of a role. So if they need him in the seventh, they'll put him in the seventh. If they need him in the eighth, they'll put him in the eighth. Uh, I don't know if they would really tie him down to the ninth inning. Um, that would be one to watch. I mean, I do like Trinan. At his, at his price point, I don't mind him anyways just because he gets you vulture wins and he protects ratios. He's good. Um, he's a good pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think just, we, have a, we have a question. We have a listener question on that bullpen, so we won't get too much more into it now, but yep, I think yep. we'll dive into it a little bit more. Um, Toronto. Um, Jordan Romano's there right now. Um, I guess Merriweather, um, you know, you know, the, you know, the suspects, they, they, they're also a team that could bring somebody in. I, I, as much as it hates me to say it, because I really like Jordan Romano, I think they're going to enter either the Jansen sweepstakes or they'll enter the Kimbrell trade sweepstakes because they could get them. Or I think they're going to add a closer instead of going after another. I think they'll trade for a starter and then add a closer. Yeah. Um, I'm not touching Romano. I think Graham, you might have a couple shares of him. Romano? Yeah. No, I'm not touching him. Um, I mean, I very much like him, but he's had an injury past, and I, I just believe that they would like to have him in the eighth inning and get one of those established guys in the ninth. Yeah, that's what I thought the whole time with uh, the Jays, especially with Montoyo. Like, Montoyo comes from the Rays lineage. I've assumed, like, since the Yates signing, just the whole way through, that they've always wanted Romano to be their stopper. Mm-hmm. And exactly, yep. It just so happened worked out last year that Dolly's crapped his pants and yeah, by by arbitrage of injuries they had to use him in the ninth and he did fantastic. He was great, yeah. but you know what? I think people have uh, people have short memories uh, about these injuries that people sustain and that that what, what was it ulnar neuritis? That's a serious injury and somehow mm-hmm. like he came back and he was still throwing hard. So yep. he's a guy I, I worry about a lot for his price. Mm-hmm. Um, he's basically off my board. Like for like total for, sense. for what, what, what for what his cost is like he's he's yep. basically a cross off for me. Um, next is um, Chapman. The Yankees will well. I don't think we need to spend much time. I think he's they're just going to run him out until he screws up. Royal. They will. I, I would put him at a seven, but yep. Would they go to La La Lazan- I don't know how to say his La name. Lizaga? There you go. Johnny Lazaga. Um, I think they would go to La Lizaga. 
because they like Green in the in the setup role. Um, I know last year Green got a couple, and Green's just like trying him. He's a guy that is gold in a DC because you can get him late. And then when you don't have, you need a plug-in for a week, you can put him in there. And if he makes two appearances and gets you six strikeouts and a vulture win, then you won. I'd rather have somebody like that in my lineup than some rando fifth starter from the Nationals in a two-star week that could blow up my ratios. Gotcha. All right. All right. Um, this next Cleveland. Well, Pat, we won't waste everyone's time there. We love Clace. Um, Aze. Classe, sorry. We were, we we're very big on pronunciations here, so I apologize if I, I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Like, um, how many times did Clay strike out Lubob um, this year? I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, what's next? Colorado. Surprisingly, um, Daniel Bird had sixty-one percent of those saves last year, just for whatever reason. But uh, Estevez ended the job, ended the the season with the job. Um, I could see being someone completely different. I do too. I this could be something if. It- give him like a five million dollar contract with incentives things of that nature i know i'm just saying it's no just no i'm saying those. i'm saying might be my most owned player um in draft champions league so far he's, he's probably gonna end up somewhere to close whether it's boston there or elsewhere yeah, do i have to it's edit this out the now? way the market's going i might have to edit this out <laughs> i don't know all right whatever you need to do <laughs> <laughs> hey this is this this is all self-serving this podcast um Let's see, uh, Washington. I could see them adding someone too. I don't know. And that total rebuild. See, this is where Justin Mason. Not someone good. Justin Mason and I argue about this because I think Rainey, if he got a chance, Rainey was never healthy last year. I know he's. I like Rainey. Justin Justin said Rainey is Lucy with the football pulling it away and Charlie Brown on his back, but uh, the kid, the kid slider in in 2020 was fantastic. You know, last year, like I said, spring training, he got hurt. It was goofy year. He never got his feet under him. Uh, Washington might, I mean, I can't see Will Harris being a threat there. It's if they sign somebody, I I don't understand it, but that's up to Washington. I'm with you. I think, I think, I think Rainey's the guy over Finnegan for sure. Like, well, not for me. Yes. For me. Yes. That's how they ended the season. That's what they wanted. That they said, I'm in on on Rainey for sure. I think Rainey is a closer, but I'm just afraid they might add like some like shitty veteran to like start the year. And then Rainey might end up getting, it might just, it might be almost like the Romano thing where you have to wait till June and then he gets it. Something like that, but no, I'm, I'm I agree. I'm, I, I like I like Rainey as as a guy getting saved this year for sure. Um, uh, what's next? Reading St. Louis, Gallegos. Like it's that seems like it's getting safer and safer. It does. Um, everything that I'm reading and their beat writers are actually usually pretty spot on. Um, and I I can ask uh, Mish off air a done the time too because he has pretty good ties with St. Louis, but. Um, you know, that, that's who to help tip me off to Alex Reyes last year at the beginning of the year. So anytime I took Hicks, I always back him up with Reyes. But yeah, I, I think Gallegos is going to get the uh, the run this year at that spot. Yeah, it's looking like that. I was avoiding him. Well, I think he was just going too too early at first, and then his price is sort of... Um, it's is normalized. Pretty, it's normalized now. I think he's like an eighth round pick now, which is fine. Yeah, eighth round. Eighth, eighth round is fine. where he should be going. And then once March comes along, if nothing, if nothing really develops there like there still could be they could still get Kimbrell right or is that is Kimbrell in play there they could, but I don't see them spending 16 million for Kimbrell mm-hmm. I just don't see it they're they're cheap okay Look um, at what, I mean they got mass they could have got Stroman or somebody else what about Oakland they're not going to spend well, like, clearly no I 
Um, yeah, I, that that might be one I avoid just because I don't know what they're going to be. Like. It stinks because they have very good starting pitchers. You'd hate to see if they trade like two or three of those good starters and just go full rebuild or retool or whatever they want to call it. Brett, Brett Lowry 2.0. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they're going to do there. So it, I don't trust Trevino. He just doesn't have good swing in this stuff. Um, I know you asked me about, or later on, we have a guy to possibly talk about. I mean, if he throws strikes, oh, he could be very That good, wasn't Brett Lowry, was it? I'm just, I'm thinking of the Donaldson trade. That wasn't Brett Lowry that the Jays traded. That was um, Franklin Barreto. Okay. Right? Anyways, yeah, you did. Sorry. Go on. Yeah, that's, at this point, I wouldn't, been, I wouldn't be betting too much on the Oakland bullpen. Right. Um, so if there's anyone there, do you prefer, like, if you prefer one person, is it Trevino? No, I'm not a big Trevino fan. Like I said, he doesn't have swing. I know he got tired that he had that one hot stretch. He'd had a bunch of saves in a row, but he's just, you know, his stuff doesn't miss enough bats for me to be a, even as a third closer, I wouldn't want him on my team. All right. Um, Pittsburgh, Richard, Richard Rodriguez got like half their saves, but he was gone. That was like in half the season. So that just shows how bad they were in the second half, especially in, in terms of accumulating saves. Um, is this is like another like place you're just avoiding or do you like that? Or do you like. What if, if, if Bednar is my third closer, I'm okay with it. I don't want him as my second in a 15 team, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think he, I don't think there's enough save upside as my number two, but if he's my number three with upside and strikeouts, I'm happy with it. Now, but would I would still take fourth. Would you rather have Bednar? Throw this question out to both of you guys, Graham and, and Greg. Um, would you rather have uh, David Bednar in a DC, like um, in a vacuum? So, like, I'm not saying this is your second or your third. Would you rather oh, yeah, have David, yeah. David Bednar or um, trying to think of a guy, Jake McGee? I'd rather so, have Bednar. You rather Bednar? Okay. I'm just trying to think of the him versus someone with like on a better team with like not a as clear of a path to being that. McGee's got to McGee's got to beat out Duvall and Bednar at least has better strikeout upside. So even if he doesn't get it early on, I think he'll eventually get in there. Um, you know, last at the end of the year, they were kind of using Stratton back there when Bednar had the the, lat, the oblique injury, but. I think Bednar's ready to go. Plus, he's a hometown guy. I think they'll finally give him run with it. Nice. So, okay, one more question: Bednar or Trina? Graham, you can chime in. You didn't chime in last time. I cut you off there. That's okay. Yeah. Graham, yeah, would you go for? I'd probably go Trina. I just take the big swing there, if that's what you're looking for. Because it's like even if it's. If it doesn't work out, you're going to get goodness out of trying to, whereas Bednar, like, I don't know, he's not as battle tested. You might, you might end up holding the bag there. And, and in an overall, and like DC, that does make sense. Get the better pitcher on the better team. All right. Let's move over How to this. analytically minded are Pittsburgh as an organization? Like, could they in theory use Bednar as a soccer? Uh, they talked about it a little bit last year. Um, and they, they did a little bit. Uh, when him and Stratton were healthy, they did it a couple of times where he didn't get to save and the fancy community was upset about it. Um, but, but Stratton's also getting into his arbitration years. So there's a very limited window to trade him. So if Stratton starts hot, they'll trade him. Um, that's just going to be their, that's going to be their MO the next couple of years, get, get veterans, get them hot, get them out the door just like they did with Rodriguez. And then he fell apart in Atlanta. All right. As we go, as we go on, if, you, if there's any like sleepers on the team that, uh, that you, you think we should be, um, have our eye on. Um, 
let us know for all these teams. Like if there's anyone in, in Pittsburgh, but we're going to talk about a, about that a little bit later. But um, we'll go on. We'll move on to a team that we that we've been taught we've been touching on quite a bit with San Francisco. Uh, McGee started, Duvall ended. People think it's Duvall. Um, what's your confidence level in Duvall? Uh, confidence level will be a six. If the team comes out and says it, then it jumps up to eight. Right. I just want I want somebody to say it. Not not a beat writer. I want I want Kapler to come out and say Duvall's my guy. Do you see? So, do you see any uh, any similarities between that situation and Tanner Rainey in Washington? Because Tanner, like we saw Duvall in the playoffs. Maybe that's just something that's more in our heads. Um, and then, but we, we we did see Tanner Rainey get all those saves at the end of the year um, over Finnegan. So is there is there sort of just like playoff is there a playoff tax with that that Duvall's going in round 10 and Tanner Lady's going like in round 30 I think it's a combination of the playoff tax and then just you know recency bias thinking that you know San Francisco is going to be very good again this year so there's more wins more save opportunities um, and I think people perceive Duvall as a as less of a risk on ratios Graham you like you like Duvall right yeah I love him so I, I I think Camilo Duval is like the next like top five closer in the game. Okay. Yeah, so they're, maybe, they're, maybe, that, maybe that answers my question. I'm saying, would you rather have Duval at his price or, or Tanner Rainey at his price? At their prices, I still probably rather have Duval because if, if one of them is going to hit a home run, it's going to be Duval. You know what I mean? That out of those two, only one of them could be a top five closer if they had full run. And that would, to me would be Duval. I, I do like Rainey very much, but I don't think he has a higher ceiling than Duvall. Cool. Um, let's go to Texas. You got Barlow there now. Is um, He was good. And he, he actually had great numbers in the minor leagues. He was saving game. He was like, he was a closer in the minor leagues too. So he did he, like, I, that's something I never realized during the season last year when, um, when I was trying to figure out between sports, sports and, and B B Barlow and um, who's the other guy there. It was, um, it was Spencer Patton. Yeah. Yeah. If I knew that, I probably would have been like a little bit more hard in on uh, on Barlow than if I looked at his minor league stuff. But um, what what are your thoughts on him? Um, he, you know, what's weird is he pitched better as a setup reliever, and then when he went to closer, his strikeouts evaporated. It was very strange. He almost went to like pitch to contact. So I don't know what I want to do. Um, and now you said this, maybe this will be my next player profile to break down, but go through the game log and see if the pitch mix totally changed. Like, was he doing one thing to get swings and misses and doing another thing to just get out of innings? You don't know if the organization told him to do that, but it was very strange. Um, cause I added him uh, in the TGFBI down the stretch. I got him for dirt cheap cause I needed saves. And luckily I was able to mine a few from him and Estevez, but um, you know, I shouldn't have got him for the price I got him, but we know sometimes people would drift off at the end of the year. Uh, but you know, he's somebody it's, it's very curious. So I want to see what Texas does. Uh, I would put him in the six range just because there could be some bad book correction looming with him. He got lucky with some stuff. If he comes out in spring and there's a different pitch or there's a something like about velocity or whatever, and that ticks up, then I'll be back in on him. But right now I'm a little tepid. All right. All right. Um, I'm surprised he's also, he's a six. He's, he's the same as Duvall. That's, that's some high praise for Barlow. Um, All right. Well, fine. Make that a five or a four. No, I no, no, I'm not trying. I'm not. I trying gave to, the ball a six because of his situation, not because of his ability. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, there's there's many things that have to get baked into it, but I don't want to be leading the witness here. Um, Maddie Maddie Bonds, okay, from from Boston. Is he like? Is he back to be the? Is he back in the role, or what's what the hell's going on there? Like Whitlock's supposed to be a starter. Um, I don't know. 
Honestly, I, I, I don't, I've stayed completely away because I have no idea what's going on there. No, I have no idea either. Now, Whitlock was terrific as a multi-inning reliever, and he even did leverage stuff at the end of the year. Um, I, I liked him a lot. It's still amazing to me that the Yankees protected Brooke Krisky, who just signed in, I think, in the KBO over, over Whitlock, but it is what it is. Um, I think they're going to add like an Ian Kennedy or somebody else as either as insurance or let him start the year and then see what Barnes does. I, I think they love, I mean, he wasn't on the playoff roster. He, right. uh, he cut his finger with a steak knife or some shit though, right? Yeah, but he wasn't really pitching great before that. I don't know if that was an act of convenience or oh, just it? a nice thing, but what, what I, we, we don't know. We're not on the inside of the locker room, but that they weren't, they weren't pitching him in any leverage moments in the playoffs. It was only in a mop-up situation. I, like I said, I think Kennedy or the name we said earlier, you're going to edit out could end up there. So I, I don't think they will. I think they would prefer to start the year with Barnes as a setup reliever, not the closer. I'm just kidding. I'm not editing. I'm not going to edit it out. I already have too many shares of him. Um, Texas or not Texas tigers. Now they seem like they want to spend. Don't think they'll trade for Kimbrell because it's inter, in, intra division. Um, but they, they've gone out and said that Soto is their closer right now. Yeah, Hinch said it. I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> now, I like Soto at his price. I would be okay with that. Now, I would like to see him walk less people, but um, if, you know, when you're looking at the stuff at their prices, I'd rather pay the price for Soto than I would the price for Chapman, if that makes sense. Really? Even though Chapman's going to be on a better team. But Detroit could surprise this year. We'll yeah. have to see how they round out that staff. I just like I, I I'm skeptical about how true that is that he's going to be the closer all year um, because well they, they even said he's the closer but there will be situations he might pitch in the eighth inning so I mean Fulmer's still going to get some ancillary saves if they don't compete they'll trade Fulmer um, and they do like Alex Lang as well so that's a that's a name for like in the 49th round if you're looking for five cheap saves at the end of a thing that's a guy <laughs> you can keep in mind cool. Now, I think Lang's ahead of Foley. Lang just has a better arsenal. He used to be a starter, and last year the velocity uptick, uh, he he got ahead of Foley in the in the hierarchy. Gotcha. Minnesota is a team that I think could be very quickly back in contention, even though they were selling off last year. I think they had some tough injuries, and I think they have a good team on paper with the, the, some good young players. So I I don't I don't I don't think they're for sure a write off in that division or even for a wild player spot. Um, what do you say? Yeah, we really want to see how they round out that rotation. You know, Dylan Bundy as your as your offseason free agent signing so far is probably not going to light the world on fire. Um, what I, we want to know is, are they going to compete? You know, they after the lockout ends, I think Minnesota will tell us what's going to happen. Um, I think their lineup's not bad. Uh, we'll have to see what they do with that rotation. Uh, you know, Rogers is very good. He's got, he's a great K minus BB guy. When he's healthy, he pounds the strike zone. He can get lefties and righties out. Um, you know, I don't mind Rogers. I just don't like that. They were willing to trade him at the end of last year and he's entering his arbitration and we know how they can be sometimes with, with, uh, with salary and relievers. Um, my, my sleeper there is Jorge Alcala. I like him very much. He added a change up at the end of the season last year. Um, his last, I think, like 15 appearances were lights out. I think he had like a 1.08 ERA with a whip below one and a, and a very nice strikeout to walk rate. So uh, he's a guy that I wrote up in one of the articles on Reliever Recon as, as a, uh, a sleeper for second half saves if the Twins decide to uh, move Rodgers. 
Yeah, no, I like him too. I think Graham, Graham, Graham was the, the guy that put me on to on how, how good Alcala could be. And they're saying, I also read that they could make him a starter as well. Um, Philadelphia, um, they've, they've signed Corey Knibble. Um, what's your confidence level with him? Um, and Naris is out of town in, in Houston now. So um, what's your confidence level with uh, Knibble? And, um, and uh, who's, his, who, who's the guy to own if he gets hurt? I want to say Connor Brogdon. I really like that kid. He can never stay healthy. It's like he gets hot and then something happens. He ends up on the injured list. He, he just can't get a full run in there. If, if, it, if it's not Brogdon, then it would end up being uh, the one they brought in from the Giants there, Coonrod. Uh, those are the backups to him right now. So if you're taking Knable, and, and he's still at a pretty nice price in DCs, even with the since the trade, he's only been jumping up into the – I think I saw – 189 and maybe a 121 max pick. I'm not 100% sure. 121 might be a little rich, but the 189 yeah. I think is a great price for him. I think he can get you 25 saves as long as he can uh, stay. What I like is they offered him a two-year deal and he only took a one. He's betting on himself. He's saying, I can be the closer and I can do this and I'll get a better contract next year. So you like that stuff. I mean, the guy was a he was a workhorse. Though. He threw 76 innings the, the year he was a full-time closer in Milwaukee before he finally suffered his injury. Yeah, TJ. I remember that year. I remember I had I had a lot of them that year, and I was that, yeah. was, a that was a tough one. Um, Tampa Bay. I don't even want to talk about this, but we can. Uh, in a DC, well, I don't think anyone's led that team and saved in saves back to back in the last five years. I mean, Castillo was being used as the closer. He had fourteen saves when they traded him, and then it went back to the same old stuff. Yeah, who they had 14 different guys get a save last year. 14. Yeah, it's messed up. I have I have one one of my I don't have many hard rules, but one of my hard rules in any draft is I will not draft a Tampa Bay reliever. Nope, makes total sense. Not even in a 50 round draft. <laughs> no, I'm not like why well, I have no, it makes sense. You just don't know what they're gonna do. And they you don't just, care. you never know when it's gonna the, the guard's gonna change, like. Yeah, like you can like okay, yeah, it's great. Like so you're saying in round thirty, round forty, you can get a guy that gets like seven saves. Okay, great. Um, but when am I gonna am I gonna time that right? I don't right. know. So, yeah. I feel like in that one, you're always gonna add him in the week after he got two, and then he gets zero. It's always a week late with that team. Graham, any thoughts on the Tampa Bay situation? I got some love for JP Firehydrant, but it's mostly just because we call him JP Firehydrant. <laughs> yeah, he's actually my favorite just because of his name. And for, that's, that's, the, that's the hard-hitting analysis you come here for. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, Baltimore, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't like this. Um, I, I know, uh, Graham, you, you like Tyler Wells? Yeah, I like Tyler Wells. Yeah, I, I just think he's good. I don't know if he'll get like twenty saves, but like I could see eight and like decent ratios, like. Mm-hmm. yeah that, that makes total sense i mean if he's your fourth closer and you can use him in the right week or you see he's he's gonna he's got good matchups you know and you, and you need a third closer for that week that's okay yeah I'd say he's, like, he's, he's, like, he's he's still at a very low cost in in most of the dcs he's going yeah, he, to think in the 400s he's like a, he's like a bi-week closer if mm-hmm. your other closer, right. if your other closers right. are on by then i'll, I'll or, then they're, or they're going to cores or yeah yeah, exactly. Um, uh, where are we here? Seattle. Uh, Stecken Rider led in saves, but they have Giles. They have him. They have Sawald. Um, Munoz. Yeah. It's, it's no. But they be they become the Tampa Bay of the Northwest. Let somebody else throw the darts. Yeah. Like I said, you, you want to take one late round flyer, 
I'm okay with Munoz because I think he's the closer of the future if they ever go that way. Um, and they signed him to a dirt cheap team friendly contract. So that's appealing to them. Graham, anything in Seattle? Yeah, any thoughts on Seattle? Do you like anyone in that? Do you like anyone in, in draft and holds? I like it when people draft Ken Giles. <laughs> me too. <laughs> it actually pleases me. Like when you log back in to see the picks going through the like feed and I'm like, yes. Yeah, it's sort of like when somebody dra- drafted Grom, like throw a party. Yeah, somebody drafted Giles. <laughs> um, Cincinnati. This was, this was an, an infuriating situation last year. You know, I, but I will give Cincinnati credit. They told us and none of us believed them. They, they literally said all preseason, we're not going to have a closer. And Amir Garrett was like, I'm the closer. And he had a fantastic spring. And then he couldn't pitch in a regular. He struggled right out of the gate. And then it just went to a complete free-for-all. Um, <laughs> you know, Lucas, Lucas Sims does have good skills. We just can't keep him healthy for long stretches of time. Um, I, I did mention you know and the guys told you that to, to get me on it but I mean Art Warren in his limited stints last year had a great great swing and miss stuff um, off the chart stuff I mean we did a couple of things and he kept popping up at near the top of it so he, he could be a sleeper but again I would only want him on my team in past like round 45 just as somebody in case something went his way yeah, I, yeah, I think um, Cincinnati has made its way almost into Tampa Bay territory for me. I think when uh, mm-hmm. I made a mental note when they resigned uh, their manager David Bell. Yeah, Bell and Johnson. When those two are together, yeah, it's just no, no, they, no, no, they no. don't care. And that's no. why that's why Iglesias said trade me. He said get me the hell out. It wasn't because the Reds were cheap. He didn't want to be there. He's yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah, not going to. Guys are morons. Uh, um, <laughs> all right, why do I feel like we've missed the Royals? Did we miss the Royals? No, we haven't talked about the Royals, no. But they're they're another team where it's always a mess. Now, one thing I will say is Stelmont last year, um, I read a nice article. He had COVID. He lost a bunch of weight, lost velocity. Uh, the second half of the year, the velocity did not rebound. He was just starting around in a form, but he actually cut his walk rate. So I like that. Um, they're another team where the same guy never leads back-to-back years. So um, I don't mind cheap shares of Stelmont this year. Last year he was overpriced. This year it's it's regulated back because everyone's going to be on Barlow and you always want the other guy. That that's just the way it is. He, Scott Barlow was good though. He, he was really good. He had to get. He was good. He had but great and they, and they actually, almost like the next year they move on to somebody else. It's so I guess, strange. but they liked that he was good and and like he was actually the guy eventually. Like he actually was like he, yeah yeah like by, he, yeah because they had so many injuries. Just like Toronto, they had to turn to him and he did very well. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. Like I, I did hear that. I, I did hear that about Stallman as well. But uh, I get like you. You were cycling through like if you were chasing saves, which a lot of people were last year. You were cycling through that bullpen, and um, forget who it was. A good friend of like I think I think a good friend of mine spent like two hundred eighty nine dollars on Wade Davis in Fab. Oh, like oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. It, you think that's a good move or no? Would you have spent two hundred eighty nine dollars on Fab and, and Wade Davis? I would. At, I at don't. Any point? I I. With with how how close I have to follow closers, I don't think I'll spend two eighty nine on any closer. I just no. I just, at this point, I don't think that's that's too much for any closer. It's, it's Not very even one rare that you're going to spend that much that early on somebody and get that big of a return out of it. I, you know, like I said last year in the second half, I was getting very cheap shares of you know Barlow, Estevez, and other guys that got me a handful of saves down the stretch. I mean, to me, that's I'd rather I'm okay doing that, but some people don't want to spend the time. So if I were to ask you this question, so if how far back in time would you have to go 
to 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 feel comfortable spending 289 fab dollars on Wade Davis? Like what year would it have to be? Like probably 2015. Okay. That, I think that was like right when he converted when they won. Isn't that the year they won the world series? I mean, he was very good as their closer in that run. But. And like, not just you, just like anyone, like anyone playing the NFBC, like any, like, would you, like, when would it be reasonable for anyone? Like when, when would it not be crazy for anyone to spend $289 on Wade Davis back in 2015? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have to think, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I, that's, it just goes against my DNA um, to, to want to spend that much money on a closer. Okay. I, I'm willing to do the work as, as I've proven over and over. So that's, I'm willing to grind and find guys. The key is getting the guy a week or two early for a buck or two and then he gets that thing and does well that's that's where you that's where you that's where you get the nuts sorry to put you on the spot there but it's, it's a little bit of an inside joke i don't know if you 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 got it or not who me yeah i don't know if no you, i totally missed it i missed, missed it oh bit. no you know you, 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 it's an inside joke so you might not have got it um you know mike the mouth yes Asada, well spent, i don't know him personally but you, I, i've heard I, of I him listen to your show yeah he spent 289 dollars on wade davis at the beginning of last year Oh, yeah. Anyways, we, we, we bug we bug him about it, so it's okay. You can joke about it. He can. He's a big boy. He he can dish it out. So he can oh no, I, he can definitely dish it and take it. I'll give him so, that. So there. All right. So let's let's talk about some let's talk about some sleepers. Like um, not, well, I don't know if you I don't know if you call closers but sleepers, but like it's draft champion season. We're doing these draft champions leagues. We're in a lot of these drafts, and we're trying to we're trying to make our best estimates on what what players might be valuable later on. I have a couple guys that I've listed here. Um, and I want you to tell me if you have any thoughts on them. Um, number one is uh, Dylan Coleman. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard this guy. I've heard his name mentioned on podcasts. Um, he does light up a, he does light up the radar gun. And Tyler Zuber, Ty, both, I'll, I'll talk about them, put them, put them together on, on the Royals because we talked, we, we just talked about them. So those two, those two guys, Coleman was up last year for a brief period of time. I, I don't think Zuber was, but uh, both of them have um, looks like closer potential. Of those two, I would prefer Coleman, but I'm not sure. Kansas City's still looking to add another veteran or two, so I I don't know if they would let somebody that young get up in there and take it. Right. So, And they've even been linked to Rosenthal coming back. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk about free agents after this, but um, next is Cincinnati. uh, Well, we talked about Art Warren. Graham, did you add to this agenda? Did you put this name in there? Yeah, I added Luis Sessa. Okay. Now, I, I like Sessa as somebody, you know, that this would be somebody walk-off pick like a poor man's Chad Green where he can get you vulture wins, maybe an occasional save or two. And he did very well as a reliever for the Reds uh, when he got out of uh, away from the Yankees. So um, he's one of those guys that could give you middle inning, sometimes multiple outings, and, and help out in that situation if you need a desperation play. Uh, they like Dory Marenta too, but – yeah, I, I think the Reds bullpen is going to have a lot of turnover this year, especially if if they're not going to compete and sell people off. I could see them doing it to like the Pirates, get Sims in there, get them hot early, and then deal them. Hey, Arizona, what's your thoughts on uh, Caleb Smith? If they leave him as a reliever, he's almost like uh, a Zach Britton clone. He gets a lot of ground balls, um, and his velo ticked up as a reliever. I just don't know if they're going to try and force him back in. I, I would much rather have him on my team as a reliever than a starter, if that makes sense. He's priced to buy. 
I've bought a bunch of Caleb Smith just because I figured, well, it was before the Melanson signing too. Mm-hmm. I thought he might be able to weasel his way in there because he's the veteran or whatever. But before they got Melanson, that makes sense. Now, now he's into the middle reliever, either middle reliever or they're going to make him a starter. And then that, that gets a little more, it gets a little shakier with him. One All time right. through the order, he's pretty good. What about, um, I put down a name, Felix Bautista in Baltimore. Now he's he's a guy, another one, very good velocity. Um, we know Wells had some issues last year with his shoulder and other stuff. Um, if Bautista can improve his command, this is a, one of those things. We just need him to throw strikes. So he did have double-digit walk rates in the minors at every stop last year, so we need that to improve. Um, if, if he can learn to throw strikes, then he does have the arsenal to be a closer. Um, again, that's, this is your walk-off pick in round 50 and you hope for five, five, five saves at the end of the year and see something happens. Right. The kid has the stuff. He just doesn't have the command. Do we give up? Uh, I know Graham already asked about Caleb Smith, but do we give up on JB Bukakis? Uh, would be with Melanson there. Yes. Um, Miami seems to be a, a team that's like willing to, to bring people up. Um, and, and they're not going to like, they're not going to baby anyone. Two guys there, Andrew Bellati and Stephen Okert, probably Bellati more so than Okert. Yeah. But, Okert's um, a lefty. So yeah. They, they, so maybe, maybe just focus on Bellati for this purpose of this. Um, um, he came from, he's another indie. They got two guys. I mean, they got Bender from the Indy leagues and Bellotti, they plucked out of the Indy leagues too. He had 11 saves at AAA last year with a very nice ERA and whip. Um, unfortunately, when I asked um, a beat writer from the Marlins about him, he was like, who? So that probably <laughs> wasn't a great sign. Um, the, the same source told me that he thinks the Marlins will add a closer. So if you're taking early shares of Dylan Floro, be very careful. Not. So um, I could see Miami being in that BB market or the Kennedy market, or those, those guys are going to be the hot ones once the lockout ends, because teams are going to be looking for a veteran with closer experience to get in there and stabilize a bullpen. I don't think Miami would spend up for Jansen, but I think they would go into that middle tier and try and pluck a closer off a free agency and, the, the writer told me he he sees the team taking that approach. Yeah, like I, I think the the Avisail Garcia signing that that should indicate that yeah the mid tier those mid tier free agents that we're going to be talking about is right in their wheelhouse. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Domingo Acevedo on Oakland. We talked about Oakland. He's a 28 year old dude, and uh, he had amazing numbers in, in the upper minors last year. Um, with with the lack of options and the lack of money, um, round fifty. Yep. yep. He, he makes sense. He's not one of those guys that, you know, in the right situation could get you double digit saves. Um, he had a little bit of an adjustment, but he still had a 14.4 swing strike percentage when they called him up to the majors, only a 73.7 contact. I mean, that's not egregious and a 38.4 O swing percentage. So, I mean, he can get swings and misses. Uh, I just think he needs a little bit more confidence and maybe just believe in himself, but um, depending on who they get there uh, to take over as the manager and, and the bullpen coach, he gets somebody that works with him. Um, his slider rates well, and he hasn't, doesn't have a bad changeup. So he's got the stuff. Maybe, maybe it just, he's a late bloomer, but yeah, I, I don't have any issue with adding him in the, in the last pick. All right. Um, 
I think Graham, you have a couple guys you like on here, but I'll, I'll you can take over that you can take over after I give this other name. That this is a guy that I was on last year a little bit. Uh, spent some um, a little bit of fab on him, Manny Rodriguez on the Cubs, um, and I think that's a team we actually missed for like somehow skipped them over on when we were talking about the Cubs. Oh yeah, we did. But probably, probably because they're... I saw probably because I saw Kimbrel and I was thinking the White Sox, but um, maybe we should just talk about that whole situation and and um, make up for that here. All right, so the Cubs. I, Wick did not do anything enough for me last year to say that he's their closer. If that makes sense, like he didn't come back off of the injury list and just like take over that bullpen. Um, Eno Saris likes Scott Efrost a lot. Now I don't know if they'll leave him in the bullpen or try and make him a French starter, um, but Efrost, if he stays in the bullpen, had very good command ratings. Um, so he's a name to keep an eye on there. They also have a guy in the minors named Ethan Roberts. They added him to the forty-man roster. He had a, he had a bunch of saves at AAA last year. He's a very high spin rate guy. He, he's kind of cool. He's kind of got glasses, a little bit of a sidewinder. He comes at you from all different angles. Um, those are two names to me that are kind of sleepers in that bullpen. I, I would put them a little bit ahead of, of Rodriguez. Just Rodriguez lit up the gun last year, but again, the command, and then he gave up a lot of home runs in there down the stretch. So um, I, I, I think maybe Efros or the kid Roberts could emerge over there. Cody Hewer just seems like he has closer stuff. He just never seems to put it together. He'll have like an 11, 11 inning scoreless streak. And then he can't throw baseballs for like three appearances in a <laughs> row. There's just no consistency with that kid. Right, let's move on to the, let's move, let's, let's end it off with the free agents. And this is, this is, this, these are, these are, these are, uh, I looked at the free agent tracker on fan graphs and these are these, some names that, that I came across were actually names that like I wasn't really paying enough attention to yet. So scale of one to 10, um, we're going to go, we're going to go like 10 would be like, they could be, they're going to, they're going to get for sure signed and they're going to be closer for like basically any team. And then like a one would be like the only team they're going to be a closer on is like Baltimore. Um, so um, but we'll talk about one person first uh, before we get to the free agents, because he's sort of a special case and that's Craig Kimbrell. Um, now he's in the white Sox. He's got 16 million bucks. Um, I'm actually in a draft right now in a draft champions draft. I'm in round Nine. So I pick one thirty-three. Kimbrel's still on the board, and Kim, and Corey Knebel is already off the board. And I think basically oh, all those. Well, other yeah, that. That I think Knebel's that's a price is going to start jumping up. Sorry. I said oh. Knebel's price is going to start jumping, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a, kind of unfortunate because I wish I got more of him when his price is reasonable. But um, um, okay, who would you rather have, Kimbrel or Knebel? And the right, well, uh, right now. probably Kimbrel, probably Kimbrel. Yeah, I think so too. I, I just think he, I just think it's a better track record of staying healthy. True. And um, what, what's your what's your confidence level of him being traded? And I can't see them entering the year with him in that bullpen. Yeah, I, I know you can make a way to do it, but it's, I mean, they've said too much that they were going to trade him. I, I I don't see how he walks back. There's no way the way he pitched in the eighth inning there that they don't want him in there. All right, I think I think he's a smash uh, draft right here at pick one thirty three uh, with um, I believe Melanson's off the board, Knebel's off the board. Um, uh, what's the name? The Jays guy Romano's obviously off the board. So I think he's smash play here, even though there's a couple of other good options here. One thirty three, Jesse Winker's still here, and uh, and both catchers Wilson Contreras and Yank Gradel, but. I'm on the turn, so more. So one of those guys didn't come back to me. I think Kimbrel's like a just like a smash play here, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at that point, yeah. I mean, is he your second closer? 
Yeah, my first closer is Iglesias. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've, you've already locked in. So you've got two guys that could give you strikeouts and the other stuff. Yeah, that, that doesn't bother. Yeah. Then you That's, can then you can kind of pick and choose what you want with your third. Yeah. So we just made a live pick here. So let's look at the so him. So he's basically a 10 or a nine or a 10 out of 10 in terms of going. I through. think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's, let's go to the free agents. Um, Kenley Jansen. Yeah, wherever he goes, he's gonna he's gonna go there to close. He's not gonna go somewhere to be an eighth inning guy. Any other? I mean, he's, he's free agent. He gets to pick. Any other? Yeah, you're right. So yeah, I'm sure he's like obviously he was off the board too. So you mentioned Texas, and then there's obviously Los Angeles Dodgers um, to go back. Is there any other? Have you heard of any rumors anywhere else where he might go? No, I, like I said, I still think Toronto's gonna be a player with closer. That they haven't had anything attached to Jansen, but it wouldn't surprise me. Okay. I, I think they might get Jansen or Kimbrell. It really wouldn't shock me at all. If they if they're gonna leapfrog the Yankees, they I think that they really need to stable up. I think in their eyes that they need to stabilize that ninth inning with uh, with a veteran. Yeah, they seem to be definitely going in uh, and spending money or and making trades. And they and then Toronto definitely has a farm depth to make a trade to uh, that's what I'm saying. They can trade for a starter and then they can sign or trade for the closer, whichever way they want it. They wouldn't have to spend a lot to get Kimbrell or yeah, I'm just trying to think. Part of could, getting Kimbrough's going to be eating some of that salary. Yeah, they could maybe send like a Groshans. I don't know if they didn't want to do that. Graham, do you think they'd send like a Groshans to get Kimbrough? No way. No way. No what way. Think, what, what, would, what do you think it would take to get him, Graham? From the Jays system? Yeah. Oh, I would guess just like the way – it all depends on what the White Sox are doing as far as money goes, but I'd assume they're up against it. So they they have every incentive to move Kimbrough. Mm-hmm. Um. So I would guess it's probably like guys that we haven't heard of to take on the money. Like it'll be guys that the White Sox brain trust like off of the backfields or something that smarter guys than us have, you know, scouted out. And it would be something like that just to dump the money. Okay. I I don't, I don't think you're going to, you're going to get like a top hundred prospect for Kimbrell. No, I I feel kind of stupid for even suggesting Groshans now, but anyways, um, that's what we do, um, on this podcast. Sounds stupid. Um, also, Michael Givens. Um, I he, heard about, I heard, he'll I heard, end up going to Philadelphia to be a setup. Yeah. So yeah. you're basically, gonna, He's, he was linked there before they signed Knable because they're right. not going to spend big money for another reliever. They can get, they can get Givens for like that five to 7 million range. They need somebody that that's can eat up lot. innings and work the eighth. Okay, that makes sense. So you're going to give him like somewhere like a one or a two or a three. On yeah, this, on this yeah, game? I would not. No, I would not rate him highly. What about Steve Ciszek? He's a free agent. No, uh, he'd be in his one or two. He'll end up somewhere as a setup. He didn't do that great with the Angels. I mean, he did well for spurts, but it wasn't like he was lighting the world on fire. All right, what about Richard Rodriguez? He's intriguing because. The guy from the Marlins had him on the list, but I, I think that would be a lateral move from Floro because they're almost the same pitcher. I, 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 to me, Rodriguez won't be an upgrade. So I, again, I mean, another guy, he does have enough swing of his stuff. I mean, after the, after the uh, crackdown, his swing strike percentage just tailed. All right. Ottavino. Uh, three. It would just be an ancillary save unless, unless Colorado, lures him back okay chris martin on uh, from the Braves. same three because these can't stay healthy both those guys are, are old dudes too mm-hmm. see another old another oldie but uh i wouldn't 
take Goldie, Sergio Romo. Yeah, anywhere he goes is to be a setup. Okay. Alex, Alex Colomay. Is he like the he's Nelson? Smoke, is he like the Nelson he's such Cruz a smoke and mirrors guy. It was like Nelson Cruz of relief pitchers. Horrible, lost the job, then he gets the job back and does pretty well, gets a what? what was it 16 saves after the trade deadline it was just like unbelievable i don't trust him i'll let somebody else deal with it i could say four or five depending on where he ends up but i wouldn't want to roster him um kyle crick uh his injury history just worries me too much he's slider i mean deadly right it is but he couldn't do anything with pittsburgh for god's sakes all right what about brad hand I think hands washed. No hand job. See, a little pun there, huh? No hand job. No, no, no hand job for me. <laughs> yeah, same. I agree. Um, Keone no handy. Kella. No. <laughs> Keone Kella. Uh, another guy is can't stay on the field. Plus, he's a hothead. Like I said, I think we talked about him last year, and I was like, how can anybody? Adrian Beltre complained about him. Like, how can anyone not get along with Adrian Beltre? <laughs> Jace Fry? Is this, should I even have this guy on my list? I think Jace Fry will end up as like a setup reliever. I think Minnesota would like him or a, another team as a situational lefty, especially if they have any um, future view about trading Rodgers, then they would have another possible high leverage lefty in their bullpen. But he'll end up somewhere as a setup reliever, but he could find his way into a couple in, in the right matchup situations. He's got a slider doesn't yeah it? yeah he's he's not a bad pitcher we just gotta see if he's healthy and if he can get his command back but you know i was surprised the white Sox let him walk but again that that bullpen's getting pretty deep so they, they had to let people go all right um i'm, I'm just gonna skip cam cam Bedrosian. we can say zero yeah. right um okay these last three are kind of interesting trevor rosenthal is one of them if he ends up on the Royals, I could see a, a scenario in the second half where he gets he gets into because him and Matheny are thick as thieves, right? Because that's where he got hot before they trade him to San Diego. Yeah, but now he's coming back from that. Procedure. I know he's had so many injuries. It's it's he's just too risky to touch. But in the right situation, may, that's why I said maybe second half. All right, um, Ryan Tapera. I think everything points to him going to St. Louis to be a setup reliever and then a backup in case anything happens with Gallegos. Cool. And Brad Boxberger is the last guy I had on this list. Or, or Tapera can end up back on the Cubs and they would maybe put him in the ninth inning. Um, I think Boxberger, will, like you you and I were talking about and speculating before, I think he'll end up somewhere getting save chances. Just don't. I'm just not positive where yet. Yeah, he's got he's experience. Been linked, he's been linked to Boston and a few others. And he left off Ian Kennedy. He's in the same boat. Kennedy and Boxberger. I did, I, did, I did leave off Ian Kennedy. Good catch. Kennedy and Boxberger are very, very cheap at their present um, ADPs, and both of them could dumb luck into 15 to 20 saves this year. You know, not I don't want to say dumb luck, but they they could definitely walk into situations where they get back into it. You know, nobody feels good about taking Ian Kennedy. Then you're like, oh, he's got 20 saves. You're like, okay. Hansel okay. Robles. Another guy left off. Good call. Yeah, uh, I see him as a setup guy. I know he got some saves there, even for Boston, a couple of them at the end of the year. But uh, I think you prefer him in the seventh inning than the ninth. Good call there, though. What does it say, what does it say about me as the host of this show, leaving off Hansel Robles and putting on Cambridge Rozier? <laughs> well, I, I apparently edited your outline, so 
Yeah, you did. <laughs> Didn't catch it then either. Yeah. That's we don't. Well, you're not getting paid enough for that. That's what happens when you don't sleep, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, we've, we've already gone over. We've already gone over time. Um, let's get to these questions. We'll, we'll hammer them real quickly. We want to. Yeah, we'll go. We'll all. go fast. Now these these guys are going to get. Um, we're gonna we're gonna give them a, we're gonna give them a little taste of your um, Patreon. One month of um, one month of Greg Jouet um, of the Patreon. So we'll give them a little taste and we'll hook them and we'll be like crack for them. So Edwin Turnage asks. The Mariners' closer situation is a bit murky. One dude, Diego Castillo, improved his K percentage to 32% and dropped his walk percentage to 7.2%. Napoleon Dynamite says Castillo's got skills. What is your take on this pen? We've talked about this, but you can answer again. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Edward. We, I agree with uh, both of the guys on the podcast here. He did show great skills last year, but the Mariners don't care who gets saved. So spending draft capital on him in a DC doesn't make sense. If you want to take him in a thing for ancillary saves and hope you get 10 by the end of the season, you can. But uh, right now, the way that bullpen's constructed, I still take the under. All right. Big Johnny Stunass, the big Johnny with the big, uh, the, from the big apple, asks, is, Gall <laughs> is Gallegos draft hype warranted without a guaranteed role? Something we also talked about as well. Yeah, we, we spoke about Gallegos. So, John, I think you can take him. I think he's I think he's in as the closer as that bullpen's presently constructed. I, I don't see them adding somebody to displace him only if they decide to go big, but that's just not their DNA. And it was this, was, um, Graham, you put these in. Is this also Biggie John, Big Johnny Stud? Did the Nats yeah, go back yeah. to Finnegan? He asked two questions. Oh, okay, yeah. Well John's, well, John's from the big city. He's greedy. Uh, I, <laughs> I, again, we, we already discussed this too. Uh, I, I would foresee Rainey unless they decide to add Kennedy or Boxberger or something of that nature. All right. Carlos Marcano, good friend of mine, asks, what mm -hmm. are the odds of Art Warren? Another question we've already um, sort of skimmed over, running, running with the closing job in Cincinnati. Nobody in the Reds can run with it, but I really like Warren for his skills. He, he's a guy like we talked about. He's a great late round flyer. And if he gets you five to seven saves, you, you profit as long as you use them when they're active. But he's a, he, he could be a very good sneaky strikeout guy this year. All right, Anthony Gialdi. Uh, oh, wait a second. We can't answer. We can't. We can't go to this question. He's not vaccinated. So I'll have to skip over that one. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, I'm kidding, Anthony. Um, from the two perspectives of um, DC versus Fab Leagues, do you prefer to take a, a top closer or two, or wait and take lots of flyers um, and lower rank guys? Um, it In seems. A DC it, it, it oh, seems it's sorry. It seems like early in draft season, many people are prioritizing taking RPs very early in the DCs. Well, they are. The ADP just tells that to you. Again, we I think we spoke about this approach on the on the on the lead in. So, I want an anchor. So I want one of those top eight guys that I trust, and then after that, it gives me leeway to to take chances or, or build it as I want. So, like what you did right there with the Glacius and then adding a Kimbrel, I, I think. In a, in a perfect world, then you've already hopefully put in 60 saves. So you've already jumped yourself into the 70th post, 70th percentile from last year and NFBC DCs. And then whatever else you get is gravy, but you just get backups in case anything does happen with Kimberl or things of that nature. But you don't have to reach for people. Now you can make choices where you go and get stuff. And I think that's important. In a FOB league, you can take more chances. You don't have to overpay. Um, and, and, and again, in FOB league, some of that will normalize. Cool. And then uh, he also asked, Anthony also asked, uh, where do Jansen and Kimberl end up? 
we've talked we talked about Jansen already, so we've already. Talked I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go upset here. I'm gonna th- I'm gonna I'm gonna say Texas lures Jansen down there on a on a three year deal because I I don't think I don't think LA will go more than two years. Yeah, they've been known to give too many years. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, so they'll add the third year to get them, and I think that'll be the deciding factor. They'll they'll go over the price on the Dodgers because they want to make another splash. Might as well. Texas Rangers are sort of like that team in a dynasty league where they're just like um, you, 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 want, you want them to pay all their entry dues for like the, last, the next seven years, or else like you guys are gonna you, got, you guys are gonna peace out, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. And then um, Kimball, I I honestly think he 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 could end up being traded to San Diego. Okay. They match okay. up best, although Toronto could be sneaky there. All right. Next guy, um, Canadian Toby, uh, Robert Lester. I'm going to dox him. Um, fuck him. Um, my Canadian counterpart. If, Siendo, if San Diego makes no additions to the bullpen, who's closing in April? Again, it's something we've already talked about. Yeah, we have. He, he uh, can rewind and listen to it. Yeah, rewind it. Um, Ray Guilfoyle, um, this is this is a question I was alluding to. We were going to get to, so we didn't actually get to it. Yep, chances, yeah, yeah chances, Ray's another. He's the great guy. Yep, uh, chances Daniel Hudson closes in LA. Uh, contract includes incentives for finishing 30, 35, 50 games. Assuming Jansen signs elsewhere, which we already are kind of assuming that, we believe Robert prefers Trinan um, in high leverage rule, not closing. So you sort of alluded to that. Talk about yeah, Hudson. I I don't know about. <laughs> I still think when push comes to shove, they would use Trinan mostly as a closer. And then once in a while, they would use them in the highest leverage moment, like Seawald in Seattle. Um, yeah, that's if Jansen doesn't go back there, I, I have a hard time believing in Trinan won't get 20 saves. Now, now maybe Hudson could get eight. Um, and I looked at the accelerator in that contract. It was just, it's just for games finished. It's not for saves. So it's just if he's the last pitcher. So if, the Dodgers are up by four. He throws the ninth inning. That's a game finished. And it's a hundred thousand dollars for each one of those markers. It's not like it's a major accelerator. So I think that's just a, a contract courtesy. Um, you know, again, the Dodgers could surprise me and pull like the, the Padres did last year with Melanson, but I, I would, I'd have a hard time putting Hudson over trying in for save chances on that team. Cool. Um, the dust might Jake Hallisker, um, former, um, former um, overall auction winner asks clearly Red Sox confident in Barnes waned in 2021 and even initially leaving him off the ALDS roster, which we've discussed. How realistic is the idea of Boston running with Whitlock in the rule? We want to see what Boston does with the rest of that rotation. Uh, I just think they imagine how can Whitlock are going to do a occasional starts and then do multi-inning relief outings and then once in a while close a game I don't know if Boston has quite a plan yet and we don't know if Chain Bloom's going to go full Tampa Bay ever with that bullpen and things of that nature um, I don't mind taking Whitlock but I think he's a little overpriced right now with his ADP just because we don't know what his role is um, he was terrific last year it's huh? Heim Bloom yeah I was going to say is it pronounced oh, Heim Bloom I'm Heim, sorry it's Heim Bloom all right, you got me. All right, we're even now. Pine bloom. All right. So, anyways, I'm just joking. I, I don't see him going bananas, but again, I I still think that Boston, like I said, I've read more than one report saying that they're going to add somebody like Kennedy or things of that nature in that bullpen. So, I, I think Whitlock will be kind of pressed into the same role he had last year, not a full time closer. Okay. Peep my slash line. Um, the uh, the Vladdy Guerrero Expo uh, guy. 
I think that's I think that's his uh, I think that's his Twitter profile picture. Um, not necessarily for Greg, but for anyone uh, with the relief pitcher being pushed up um, super high in drafts. Does that create potential to punt saves amongst the the top thirty RPs and focus on closer and waiting types? Do any of you see that as a viable strategy? How might that shake out? And have you seen this yet? So, like we, we, we talked about it, Tyler Jung did it last year and finished thirty first overall. Yeah. He, he he didn't even try to get any saves. I looked no, at that. No, team. no, yeah. I mean, I didn't look at his roster, but I just saw that he had zero. So, I mean, that's he was just like, no thanks. Yeah, no, he didn't. I mean, thirty first overall. That's impressive for punting. Yeah, that is very. So no, I, I haven't tried it myself to, for me answering this question, I haven't tried it myself, but I think, I think it's viable if, if you're confident in some of these later round guys, like out of the top 30, I think it's like, if you're punting it, you're either punting it or you're not, not trying to get saves from. Right. Yeah. If you're punting it, you're not going to be taking late round flyers. You're just saying, I'm not taking a save. I mean, See, I, you I, might I think, come luck into one when a guy gets a three inning, like relief outing, but. I don't yeah. think it, I think what he means is can you punt it for the first 30 and then, and then make it up later. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't, for 30 picks. I, I don't think I would be able to do that. I'm just not good enough at guessing. Graham, what do you think? What to just like try and luck into saves the whole way. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, I know Doug Dennis did that in a DC last year from baseball HQ. He took like his last 15 picks were all relievers, but I, I don't know that I want to just, that just seems like you're spraying darts. I'd rather well, you can do it in an overall. You can do it in a fob league, but in a yeah, DC, or, I just can't or a stand, see it. like if you're in a standalone DC, you can do that, and you can you can just win getting like two points out of saves, like two roto points. But mm -hmm. I'd rather like if you're if you're to do that in a standalone, I'd rather just take one closer because then you'll get like right. four or five. Yeah. And then you can just like load the other way. I've noticed a lot of yeah, people. Like I've noticed a lot of people take one closer and just basically like one good one. That's what um, that's what Weimer does um a lot in these DCs. Oh, Steve. Steve, he takes one. He takes one like closer, like good one that like you'd really like, and then he really doesn't look at that position. Um, not always, but I've seen him do this not for like oh, like until like after he's filled out his whole entire roster. Mm -hmm. Like so, I said, Rob, Rob last year, DPHO, he finished 13th overall with 23 total saves. Yeah. And the year that he won, he basically didn't take a closer until super late. So it can be done. You yeah. just, you just have to be, you got, you got to hit your marks. Yeah. Um, one last question that we got like, doing that. Like, sorry, I didn't. I, had, sort of I had a lot of success doing that, but it kind of wasn't intentional. Like I had, uh, I think on my NFBC 50 team, like I had drafted um, Kenley and someone else in like the 10th round because it, it, that worked out really well. But then I hit on like Lou Trevino and the uh, Baltimore guy like late. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but like that, that's totally like, you know, you're fluking into that. Like you're not doing that on purpose. I like, I don't think so anyway. All right, we've got one last question here. We came in like during our podcast. Uh, Rob Thompson, the third, Josh Sports, Josh Sports, if we're going to mispronounce sports. sports, we're going to mispronounce names on purpose. 90%, um, um, uh, I think 90%, I guess, um, 
current percentile in velocity and K. It must be saying a fastball. I don't know. I don't know what he's looking at. And then eighty percent um, barrel rate uh, for percentile is like he's basically asking: Is he the guy in Texas? I mean, he could be a sleeper. If you want to take him in round forty-five, sure. But you know, like a sleeper, Texas, as in like if you, big fly, like we're speculating, then like not as really. in you fall asleep during your draft and you auto pick him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the kid has a live arm. We, you know, it's just. He didn't, he didn't take advantage of the opportunity last year, but it doesn't mean he's not a year away. If his swing and strike stuff improves improves over Barlow, then he could leapfrog them if, if they don't add a veteran. But I just feel like if they think they're getting on the precipice of competing, that they're gonna get they're gonna get a established closer. All right. Well, that's, that's closer. Sorry. He was a closer in college, wasn't he? Sportsy. I, I think so. I'm not 100% sure. I'd have to look I don't know. What, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why I know that. I don't know why you know that either. I don't even know, no, why, you're say, I don't even know why you're saying that. All right, come on. We got to get Zach going. He wanted to be done at 7. Yeah, 7 was my cutoff. 7.15, so I'm already, I'm already late. I'm supposed, right. to be, I'm supposed to be barbecuing in the freezing cold in the negative degrees. <laughs> When I get home, so yeah, we got we got an end off here. Greg, um, Greg, thanks a lot for coming on again. Sort of, and it's been an annual thing the last two years. And um, like I said, you're the man when it comes to relief pitchers. And um, we're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna get some Patreon memberships out of this. And um, I don't know, plug what you got. I appreciate it. Well, uh, in the regular season, my weekly column runs on the Athletic. Uh, last year, I think it ran on Tuesdays, which is not ideal, but I pack it full with all kinds of information. Uh, and then the, the Patreon is Reliever Recon. It's only $3 a month pledge. Um, and it gives you tons of stuff. And we've already got a ton of stuff backfiled already from if you want to recap last season. Uh, we did all the year reviews and I'm going to start rolling out. I did a player profile for Canable already. And we're going to start rolling out more um, every week. So, you know, the lockout doesn't stop us from working. So guys we know that are in set situations, we'll break down their, their last season and, and look back past their past stats and, uh, break them down and give you an idea of what to expect in the next season. And then as the season gets closer, we'll rank everything. Uh, and like in season, the closer charts, I think are an invaluable source and we have all the other stuff that'll be rolling on there. So uh, like, thanks for having me on Zach. I always enjoy talking to you. It's been very nice meeting you Graham in person and uh, thanks for having me on and, and for the compliments you've paid for me in the past. I, it's greatly appreciated. I, you know, I work hard and you know, that's, that's part of the, that's part of all of this process. All right. Thanks a lot, Greg. And we will, uh, we'll talk later. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Yeah, take right. care. All right. See you boys. Thanks a lot. All right. Take Bye. care, Zach. Thanks.